accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our run-through of Star Trek DS9. We're up to episode 16 of season 1. It's called The Forsaken. It was directed by Les Landau. Story credit goes to Jim Trombetta. Teleplay goes to Don Carlos Dunaway and Michael Piller. Aired back on May 23rd, 1993. In this one, Dr. Bashir is assigned babysitting duty for the four visiting ambassadors. O'Brien deals with an alien computer program downloaded from a probe. And Odo copes with a deeply infatuated Luxana Troy. Uh, it's just going to be me talking about this one. I figure we, uh, we're we moving out of season one uh, and I just need to hammer out some episodes. So I think I'll do that. But what we're going to do is do a little bit of a different format here where I'm going to base my thoughts largely on the thoughts of the patrons. What we normally read at the very end uh, because I'm not bouncing anything off of anybody else. I'm just going to read some patron thoughts and respond to them. And I think that'll keep things a little bit more organic. So after the audio break, I'll come back. I'll give sort of a short breakdown of my own view of the episode. Then we'll get right into the patron comments after that. So let's go. Let's get into the Forsaken. I'm going to play an audio clip. Then we'll be back. Come in. Yes, Soda. Commander, I have a problem. Quark again? No, sir. This one's named Waxana. Waxana Troy, the ambassador? That's her. There was a minor incident at the bar that I helped her with, and now she's grateful what's the problem the manner in which she expresses her gratitude to be honest commander she seems interested in me what's wrong with that she's extremely aggressive i see so she's after you like a one only trace hound have you thought of letting her catch you sir a little romance, Odo. I have six pylons that need a complete security sweep. I don't have time for romantic interludes. <sighs> Frankly, in my humble opinion, most of you humanoids spend far too much time on your respective mating rituals. All right, so the first of three appearances for Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy in Deep Space Nine. Uh, she's been in... Our TNG coverage, obviously, she appears as Deanna Troy's mother in TNG. She's in a bunch of episodes in that uh, series. And now she's making her way to DS9 without Deanna Troy, which I think, you know, I, I think that this episode, this episode is really just only remembered for the Troy and Odo stuff that goes on in it. Um, Bashir dealing with the four ambassadors is not particularly interesting. Uh, O'Brien dealing with the alien probe is not particularly interesting. That's the very Star Trekky. Uh, sort of B story that would go on in a character A story if, if this was a TNG script, which it kind of feels like it is. Um, so I think that the the O'Brien stuff is fine. It's kind of that science fiction backbone that you would have in an otherwise character-focused story where they wanted to remind you that this is actually a Star Trek episode. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. You don't really get any answers about what's going on with the probe, you know, besides the fact that they start calling it a dog, a puppy or a pup, as, as O'Brien calls it. It's stuck in the computer at the very end of the episode. It's never brought up again. I guess it makes appearances in graphic, or not graphic novels, but in a fan, or you know, novels, uh, <laughs> off-canon novels. And it's it feels 
odd. I, I like the setup more of the fact that this is one of the few episodes that's brought up that O'Brien might be having a hard time dealing with the Cardassian computers. Um, I appreciate the storyline in that regard. That feels like something that should have been more prominent in the season um, since the pilot, really. I feel like that's the kind of storyline that they handled at the start of the series and then they forgot about it for about 15 episodes and now it's kind of coming back. And I think there was a lot of story to go along with that. Um, they've kind of abandoned it and everything seems more comfortable than than it was at the very start. It's just that O'Brien occasionally pops up with, oh, the computer's not really working as well as I'd like it to. We need to fix things. Uh, so I think that the that storyline is really just the trigger for the reason for things to go wrong on the station, which caused the Odo and Loxana Troy uh, relationship to happen. The Bashir stuff is also similarly pointless. Um, I guess Loxana Troy is a part of this entourage of ambassadors who are coming on the station as the police car goes by the um so i you know i guess their storyline just exists to get her on the ship although uh, on the station i don't really understand why they needed to have them in the first place it doesn't really add anything to what's going on bashir overcomes the obstacles but not in a particularly interesting way it, has, it leads to one good scene where him and cisco are talking in cisco's ready room and you know bashir is like oh this sort of cisco's kind of teasing him a little bit about this is the uh the things they have to go through as you're leveling up as an officer or whatever you want to say but yeah i think that those storylines are not particularly interesting not particularly good they're not particularly memorable it's really the odo and Luxana troy stuff that goes on here um the odo side is good because it is a good sort of introduction to the backstory of odo that we haven't seen to this point we you know, we, we brought up the fact that he has to revert to his liquid form every 16 hours and they deal with that. And that's important. Uh, the makeup job that they do when he's melting is actually pretty impressive at this point. Um, and you it's a nice shift for the character because it moves him away from the sort of curt, tough guy sheriff character that he's written as. And it moved him into more of a vulnerable characterization here where he. It's one of the few episodes up to this point where it's shown that he can't do it alone. Like he he can't just sort of bend everything to his own rules and his own will. There are some things that have to um, he has to work with others to get around. And I think that the uh, Loxana Troy thing is it's a pretty good character moment for her. Um, she's she's all right and interesting. Um, I think we'll just we'll go into the patron thoughts here. Although I, I'll I'll start off by saying uh, the Forsaken is a terrible title for this episode. I don't think that's really appropriate. Uh, it's too negative and harsh of a word. I think the Forsaken for what is trying to really only maybe it applies to the computer program. Although we don't know if it's actually Forsaken, and I don't know if it totally applies to Odo and Loxana, uh, their storyline. But the working title of the episode was Only the Lonely after the Roy Orbison song, which is a much better title. Um, lonely Among, It kind of reminds me of Lonely Among Us, which might be confusing, but Only the Lonely is a much better script title for this. It was the first draft script uh, It had that working title. Writer Jim Trombetta says uh, that what Oda goes through in this episode, quote, it goes back to the Renaissance and the characters referred to as gentlemen. They had to be hard warriors with a hard shape like armor. This is a, definitely a writer talking here. There's an anxiety if men become soft. They become helpless, baby-like. Men don't like that. So here the caption works very vividly. Odo's a constable and a very tough guy, but he has to undergo that process and allow someone else to help him. He has no choice. I mean, it's. I don't know if he does a good job explaining what he's talking about there, but I think that that, uh, that angle to take Odo actually works in this one. 
And it's a bottle episode written to save money at the end of the season. So let's go into patron thoughts because I think that you guys have some um, more, you know, I can kind of bounce off of what you guys are saying because there is no other guest that we'll be talking about. So the first person who brings up this episode, which is, where the hell is it? Where's the Forsaken? Do, do, do. Sorry, I'll have to. There we go. The Forsaken. Is this the first one? This is terrible. Sorry, I apologize. I probably won't edit this out either because I'm going to forget, but here we go. The Forsaken. Eric McGowan writes, The Forsaken, the first episode of DS9 I ever saw due to a friend getting through, going through the series. It didn't leave a very strong impression, but came at a time when I also didn't fully grasp the Loxana Troy character. Looking back at it now, the scenes with Loxana and Odo are pretty good, but the rest of the episode is pretty much entirely boring filler that isn't compelling and doesn't come together. Um... I, t- I pretty much totally agree with Eric here. I think that the, you know, the Odo and Loxana scenes are good. The rest of the episode is totally forgettable, as I've said. And I was wondering if the, the reason for this is the fact that the, if you were unfamiliar with the show and the character, would this be a good episode for Loxana Troy? I, I think the episode totally depends on you knowing her. And everything that she represents and everything that she is. Because if you don't know her, I think that this episode is probably terrible to you watching it. And to me, it's okay because I I grant the episode a lot of shorthand with dealing with Mrs. Troy in this. Because I'm willing to accept that this is her character and this is how she is. I don't need an explanation for this is why she is. Her turn towards the end where she reveals herself to Odo is makes sense in context of the character but i don't think it particularly makes sense in context of the episode um i I think it'll it'll tie in better here uh with clever orbits writes the forsaken loxana troy is actually at her best here it's one of the greatest character episodes for her and odo both and couldn't have happened without the clear on-screen chemistry and contrast between them i was really moved by how her desire for her husband which has pretty much always been a part of her character made way for genuine understanding care for odo um Yes, I'm just trying to think about how to how to respond to this. I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say this is one of her better episodes. I think Half Life is a better episode than this. And unless we're just going to agree that maybe she doesn't have a lot of good episodes, that this would be one of her top ones by default. Um, it's good for Odo so far. I don't know if this is a great Odo episode. It's a good episode for Odo at to this point. I do think they have on-stream chemistry it might just be the fact that they're decent actors although a lot of the scenes in the turbo lift i don't know if i'm alone in this it looked like they were reading off of a cue card i know that they're supposed to be looking off to the side but um Majel barrett is not playing it as though she is looking at what odo is looking at while talking to him it looks like she's just kind of reading off of cue cards and i don't that might actually have been a thing okay she's getting a little bit older maybe that is a necessary thing i think that she uh the chemistry between them is basically just good actor chemistry, I guess. I didn't I didn't feel that they I don't feel that they really light up next to each other or that they really play off of each other particularly well. I just feel that they're two decent actors who Renee Aubergenois is a good actor and uh, Miguel Barrett is an okay actor. I, I think that they they play off of each other better than anything else. And I think that they Compared to everything else that's going on in the episode, they seem to be stronger than they actually are. Um, 
So I think I'll probably leave it at that. Also, I love how this is clever Orbis continues. I love how the plot served and saved Julian from the challenge of the ambassadors. How the crisis clearly brought out his cleverness in such a way that he won accolades. It's one of the first clear and early dramatic shifts away from him being a casual horn dog into a more dignified and conscientious, conscientious character. Um, yes, I agree with that. This, uh, although I will say, his solution happens off screen, so you don't really get a much of a shot of his cleverness. I guess you can assume in hindsight because the Vulcan ambassador tells us that he's being very clever, that he has been clever. The episode didn't show it really, so I, I kind of feel that that's lazy writing on some way. Um, outside of that, he really just spends the episode sort of bitching about his job, which is to entertain these ambassadors, uh, who might be the most difficult group of ambassadors that the Star Trek series has ever put together all at once. And it, Mrs. Troy isn't even really with them uh, the entire time. The probe program was interesting, but so was, and so was O'Brien's solution. I think all the engineers Star Trek have given us, he might be the least appreciated for his extraordinary skill and ability. Uh, Yes, right? Because he's not really he's not really an engineer. He's just kind of a guy who's there to fix things. So it's funny. I was watching and thinking that like DS9, I don't really get the uh, the rank stuff settled into yet. Like I know in TNG, everybody's rank and everything like that. And even Voyager, I get it more to a, a, an extent in TOS and everything like that. But, you know, I have to actively remind myself that Kira is second in command on the station and things like that. Um, and O'Brien isn't really, isn't a non-commissioned officer. He doesn't have a rank. He's just kind of a guy who's good at fixing things. He's the everyman who has been stuck to this, uh, you know, sort of forgotten post that actually turned out to be something. Let's see here. Moving on with more Forsaken comments. Stephen Cobb, the Forsaken, save me from a Loxana Troy episode, could barely tolerate her in TNG, despise her in Deep Space Nine. Beyond a role as number one in the pilot, Michelle Barrett's characters have felt shoehorned in because of her relationship to, the Star Trek's, to Star Trek's creator, which is Gene Roddenberry. She was his wife, if people don't know. To me, her characters always feel inorganic to the story, and this episode is no exception. Well, uh, let's see, Stephen. So I think, Stephen, you're maybe, just in my opinion, you're maybe being a little harsh, although I don't disagree <laughs> disagree with you. Um, I think you're, I think a really good point, uh, I wouldn't say I despise her in Deep Space Nine. I could barely tolerate her in TNG, but I think that this is probably on a stronger side of what the character does. Um, but your comment that she felt shoehorned in because of the relationship with the creator and her characters always feel inorganic to the story, this episode is no exception. I tie, I pretty much agree with that. And that ties into my, if you were unfamiliar with Troy, what would you think of this episode? It's kind of an episode I wish Amy had watched with me because I would have been wondering what she thought of her. Although she knows Mrs. Troy. So um, I think the problem here and what I was hinting at earlier is that if you remove Loxana Troy from Deanna Troy, it seems to do a lot of damage to the character in some way. Like, the character is so clearly built off of Deanna that when you isolate her, she doesn't seem to make as much sense, especially because we learned from Dark Page, which might not actually have aired before this episode. It probably didn't. So in that case, that's fine. But if you have the context of Dark Page, the characterization of Mrs. Troy only makes sense if Deanna is around. Like everything is built off of Deanna, and that makes a lot more sense. Here... She's very isolated. She's out on Deep Space Nine, you know, out by herself. It feels odd. She still has the sort of same personality. It doesn't feel like it really fits into anything. I don't understand how she exists in the universe outside of Deanna. If Deanna's around, I totally understand the protective mother, sort of overbearing mother thing. 
Uh, she was written as like a sitcom-y kind of character when she first appeared. And they've gotten better at developing the character and exploring what makes her tick. But at the same time, I agree she does feel shoehorned in in a way that Q doesn't really feel shoehorned in. We've had our Q episode. Uh, Mrs. Troy always feels her appearances feel artificial. I, I agree with you about that. I like I totally get that vibe of her appearances are not something that ever feels organic or believable or should be happening. She just feels like, oh, it's a Mrs. Troy episode. And I've never actually I don't think I've ever actually really come to that conclusion on the podcast before. No one's brought it up. So I, I appreciate you uh saying that because I think that is true. I think that's one of the bigger problems with that character is how inorganic she feels. Um Kyle Barrett writes, The Forsaken. A romance with Odo is an interesting concept and could make for a fascinating character study, delving beneath the gruff exterior to understand his antisocial tendencies. It's a shame, then, that they go about it in the worst way possible. Troy's flirtation with Odo is taken to extremes as her invitations to hollow suites and forced physical contact makes her seem like a regular Hollywood producer. I was actually... Um, Kyle, you might have written that. You wrote this three weeks ago. Sorry, everybody. It's taking so long to go through. But you wrote this three weeks ago. Was this before all the Weinstein and stuff? Because I was watching this episode and uh, Cisco has a line about when he's explaining to Bashir what he did growing up when he had to escort VIPs around. He said he punched one of them. Bashir says, why? And he says, because the ambassador was trying to coerce a woman back to his quarters against her will. And he decked him and knocked him out, I guess. And... You know, just the climate we're living in now, that line just stuck out to me like crazy. I don't know if it's going to be that way going forward for the rest of our uh, lives. You know, not that that's a bad thing, but going forward, are we always going to be reminded of these events? I know we're right in the middle of it, so probably not. But it, like, it's it's certainly a cultural shift that we're going through, I think, to this point. And hearing that line was odd and how the culture has changed from lines like that can just be kind of throwaways to now I feel like they're much more loaded with stuff um, and much more realistic or something. I, I can't think of the right word, but it feels much more hard hitting. Um, it's supposed to back to the cow's quote here. It's supposed to be funny, but it just comes across as uncomfortable. I feel there is some merit to Loxon as a character. Half a life springs to mind, but here she is a little more than a pantomime dame and the other ambassadors are just as bad. I'd agree with that. The ambassador, the ambassadors being here makes no sense. The Odo scenes in the elevator briefly go to some interesting places, but it only makes me pine for a better episode. The other plot is pure techno babble of the worst degree and having the computer speak a lot uh, seems weird in this episode because Majel does little to disguise her voice. A pretty rubbish, rubbish episode. One of my least favorite of the season. I don't know if I could say it's the least favorite. I thought it was, I thought it was boring, but okay. I thought that the, I think I give a little bit more credit to the Odo and, uh, Loxana storyline than you do. I, I don't think it's built up very well, but I think they play it well at the very end. I think it's, I think it's unearned. And on both a character level and the script level, what they do, but I think it works on some strange level. It it makes me feel like it's an okay thing at the very end, what they go through the storyline, and they they sell it to me. And it it's a, it, I wouldn't say it makes me emotional, but I, I feel for Odo and I feel for um, Mrs. Troy. Uh, you know, based on her, you know, she takes off her wig. Odo melts, and they both are realizing that they they don't have to fake everything for everyone else's benefit. They can actually be real with each other, which is, it's touching. That's a, that's a good thing for Mrs. Troy, I suppose. But I agree with you that the, um, 
the O'Brien stuff is no good and the Hollywood producer lines and the um, ambassadors is pretty terrible. Although I wouldn't say it's one of my least favorites. Probably not one of my five worst of the uh, the season. Is there anybody else? No, I don't think so. Well, uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's pretty much it. So I'm going to play an audio clip. We'll come back. We'll give our final thoughts and then we will call it a day. No one's ever seen me like this. Why? It looks fine. It looks ordinary. I've never cared to be ordinary. So you see, Odo, even we non-shapeshifters have to change who we are once in a while. You are not at all what I expected. No one's ever paid me a greater compliment. I cannot hold my shape any longer. Let go. I'll take care of you. All right, so that's it. Thank you, uh, thank you guys for putting up with the sort of uh, just me podcast. But I think the Patreon responding to the Patreon comments actually made that a little bit easier to get through. I don't know how it'll actually turn out to you guys' ears, but it would certainly gave me a little bit of a, uh, a guide rope to follow to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And I think I followed into the patrons sort of remarks here. I, it's really just Clever Orbits was pretty positive about the episode. Everyone else is kind of like, eh, this is not, this is not particularly great. Uh, Kyle didn't like it. Stephen uh, didn't like it. But I think it's, I'm going to give it a two out of five. It's really just the Odo. The Odo in the Luxana stuff is like a three out of five. Everything else is pretty bad. So it kind of knocks it down to a two out of five, I think, for me. Um, it's just, it's season one of this show, right? It's more TNG feeling plots. It's more bringing back TNG characters that we have to interact with. It's more of this sort of B, a sci-fi B plot that's paired with a character A story. The character A story isn't really super effective because it can't even focus entirely on Odo. We have to deal with this guest star that kind of outshines him. It's her, Loxana's personality is so powerful and bright that she always overwhelms whatever other stuff is going on in the episode that she's in. So bringing her in to act as a, like a foil for a character to show you something about the Odo character doesn't work because she's a little bit too broad of a character and i think that's just a problem with bringing her back she's not even she's not even as effective as q is in a lot of these things in a lot of ways that q can be effective um she's too in your face i suppose even though they do a decent job at recovering it by the end but it feels unearned to me it it i was i was honestly surprised by how little of that character the luxon and odo stuff there is and how much of the runtime of the episode is taken up by the other storylines which in my opinion are not very good that's about it i'm gonna give it a two out of five everyone else in the patron comments seemed a little bit uh, negative about it too but yeah we're almost done with season one we're moving along we'll be back with dramatis personae after this and then duet and then into the hands of the prophets and that's season one done which has been a weird season because uh discovery came right up in the middle of it so it, it feels a little bit disjointed but hopefully we'll be better moving into season two and hopefully I'll be better getting th- these things out regularly. I apologize that they haven't been out uh, fairly regularly, but we're going to try to get things back on track. 
I know I say that every other episode, but uh, that's about it. If you guys want to check out social media for the show, you need to click on all the links in the video description or the podcast blurb. If you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave comments like those guys did and we can respond to them. And uh, so, yeah, you can support the show on Patreon, Patreon, give a couple dollars a month and then you get to leave comments and you get extra podcasts and all that stuff. Hopefully it's worth it. And it's a good way to, to support the show going forward. Outside of that, I think that's pretty much it, right? Check out Real Ripe and Real Rotten. It's our new podcast. Me and Clay are doing a film podcast. You can check that out. We just did Patrick Stewart. We did a Logan and Christmas Eve. So both of those are up. You can check them out on the YouTube channel and you can subscribe as an MP3 feed. Uh, Let's see. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Well, we're almost done with season one. Let me know what you guys thought of Forsaken in the comments. You can send me an email, all that stuff. It's good to know. And uh, leave some more comments just as a reminder for people on Patreon. If you're patrons, go leave some comments. They're, they're always fun to read. I think that's it, guys. Forsaken. I'm going to give it a two out of five. Not a great episode. A decent Odo episode. An okay Loxana Troy episode. And pre-war in all other ways. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next time.